C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi, and we are joined by an esteemed guest. Shay is uh, not here because we're doing, um, you know, hopefully if this sounds okay in the end, we can release it as a special s'more episode, but uh, our Camp Adulthood intern slash boyfriend uh, bought me a really nice Christmas gift of a new mic. So the mic that uh, Corey is on right now, say hello to our listeners. Hello, everyone. Um, he is on the special uh, new Shure microphone that we got. So I figured before we sick it on a, a guest, an unsuspecting guest, um, wanted to test it on a male voice and a female voice to see how it is. So welcome, Corey. Thank you for the microphone, my Christmas gift, and for uh, doing this special s'more episode. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on. You can probably talk a little, a little like louder. normally. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yep. Normal volume. Perfect. So do you have a millennial moment of the week or from life to share with us? I guess millennial moment. I've been taking this winter, this late winter policing class. I'm about to start my last semester at community college, which is pretty Congratulations. cool. Yeah. Thank you. I have my associates. That's exciting. Are you looking forward to four-year university? How do you think it'll be different from community college, if at all? Or do you think it'll just be a continuation? I feel like it's going to be a continuation since most of the classes I've taken so far have all just been classes for my criminal justice degree anyways. So it'll probably be a lot of the same people that I see in class now. I'll probably see down the line. Probably a bit nicer, though. Not as community college-esque. Yeah, it'll probably be a higher caliber of person, like classmate. Yeah, probably. I feel like you're not going to want to... I know you've had some ridiculous stories of, like, people trying to negotiate with the professors and stuff like that. Yeah, right? Like, how ridiculous. weird. Like, <laughs> that didn't happen so much. I mean, maybe a little bit when I was in college, but, like, not to the extent well, that you just, like, we have it. students that don't do, like, homework or write papers and then come into the class on due date, and then they're like, I shouldn't get a zero or an F for x y and z reasons but it's like bro you didn't do the assignment like you're gonna get a f- an f yeah there's not this a, is a very for, simple yeah, calculation it's very here. cut and dry very cool um my millennial moment um i'm trying to think like what i've done since the last time i recorded with shay that's been like truly millennial i guess one thing that we could talk about is the fire festival documentaries that have come out those have been (laughs) very timely um we watched the hulu one last week and then we watched the netflix one like on friday night do you have any burning uh i guess before we go into like our um feelings on either documentary we should preface what the fire festival is and i remember back like the very first summer that Shay and I started the podcast, like the first couple episodes was when the fire festival actually happened. So we kind of talked about it then, like the initial thoughts of like what the actual festival was, but it was um, this music festival that was supposed to um, be in the Bahamas and it was supposed to be like a Coachella type experience. And it was really billed as this super luxury experience where you could 
get these villas that were air conditioned, really great on the beach. And they had all these Instagram influencers like Kendall Jenner, like pretty high profile people post about it on Instagram and people bought into it and were really excited. And initially they had a lot of big bands booked to perform and then it slowly devolved and you realize in the end that it was a huge fraud and they were selling tickets to an event that they hadn't planned for and didn't exist. And people showed up down there and they basically had to stay in FEMA tents. And the guy that uh, put it all together is in jail for various financial crimes. I think just wire fraud Yeah, is what he went down for. Mm -hmm. Six years. Yep. So he's in federal prison. Um, I thought the Hulu one was better. I don't know about you. They were different. I like the Netflix one more. You did? Why is that? I just... The Hulu one had a lot more of, like, the legal facts behind Mm. it, which is pretty... Which is still very interesting that's what i liked like more of the financial crime but aspect. Uh, yeah which it was interesting but i think the netflix one focused more on the personal element yeah it was much more like personality driven which to i which was just to me a better source of yeah it was more like yeah it was definitely more narrative and i guess they had picked up like you were saying the hulu one had more sort of like straight line facts of what was happening and the netflix right. one picked up some of the more like salacious details of the whole endeavor but I thought they were nice, complimentary pieces because they they didn't have a ton of overlap. Like o- right, the overarching yeah. story was the same, but the Hulu one different. had more like footage from the concert goers and kind right. of like the day of, and then the financial crime aspect. And the Netflix one had more um, behind the scenes footage of like Billy, the guy that was producing the show, and his associates producing it. So it was a little bit more like behind the scenes before the event happened, as opposed to. Like, what was happening on the ground the day of when people were, like, staying in the FEMA tents and stuff. Right. I don't know. It's hard to talk about it for me because I didn't know about... It's hard to have an opinion, rather, because I only can do it in, like, past tense, you know? So I don't have, like, an objective way to look at it because I didn't find out about this whole ordeal when I, until, like, I was in the Marines and I saw the the story break of, like... Yeah, there were a lot of memes, like, things were going right. viral on and Twitter. And, I mean, I saw, I saw a story on, like, MSN because I'd browse all the stories on like Yahoo and MSN from my free time. And it was just like, yeah, hundreds of people stranded in Bahamas on fake music festival with no way home. And then it was like the pictures of how it looked like a refugee crisis over there. And I was just like, only only this, this could only happen to like certain people. Right. Well, the, the Hulu one kind of focused more bringing it back to the focus of the podcast. It focused more on like the millennial culture aspect and why millennials fell for this and the um sort of clout that instagram influencers have and then sort of more broadly like why um people get so much glee when like rich stupid millennials have bad things that happen to them like that was a big thing like all the memes and the articles and the late night hosts making jokes like that was a big piece of it and they were like this could only have happened but i thought the netflix one kind of they brought up something that i had said before we started watching it like after we watched the hulu one before we watched the netflix one that it has a lot of parallels to woodstock like woodstock was a logistical disaster like if you watch that documentary like yes the music was iconic and what it was in its time but like people were stuck on the road for nights with nowhere to go a lot of people died or got very sick from drug overdoses there was not enough bathrooms not enough water not enough food and it rained, so everyone's lodging was, like, sliding all over the place. Like, it was not a good, like, run festival. They underestimated how many people would show up. 
Um, and now it kind of has this allure, like, 50 years later of, like, oh, it was this spontaneity, but, like, from a logistical standpoint, it was a disaster. Oh, yeah, I've talked, you know, I remember we've had this conversation where, because that's what I did. I, I did, like, I set up events like that in the Marines from top to bottom, every logistical consideration one could make. I was responsible for, you know, doing all of that. So I, when I looked at it, I was like, I could for sure put something like this together yeah it could have been done just not the way that they were yeah they sucked but i also didn't i guess part of the hulu thing was how they talked about how this could only have happened to millennials living nowadays but it's like that's such a an annoying thing to hear because the instagram thing for sure like the marketing aspect think about like all those people like think of like marketing in the 50s how like a new product would come out a new vacuum cleaner and then every household has one overnight and you're just like oh yeah millennials are different because we all fell for this advertising scam on instagram like we're so different it's like no yeah no no shane and i talk about that a lot like if anything the, the instagram thing is a lot more insidious than it ever was before like at least before you saw a commercial on your black and white tube television and it was like man i gotta have that but now it's like there's all this psychology that plays into it and things you don't know about your own mind and how it works that people like can tap into and make a lot of money. It's pretty it's pretty scary, man. Yeah. No, Shay and I talk about that that like lazy journalists and people will just put something as like, Oh, this is millennial to talk about young right. people when they don't want to do the work of actually analyzing what's going on. Um and I think that both documentaries kind of had a little bit of that where it's like, wait a minute, like there have been festivals that have been disasters or mass gatherings like Woodstock being a good example of that like this is not the biggest thing and I I like the example of the advertising in the 50s as well like but I think there's this sort of like feeling that millennials are so superficial and it's because of Instagram but all Instagram is is like a photo sharing app like it's nothing (laughs) groundbreaking there's no like mind control aspect to it like it's literally just sharing photos on the internet so like yeah it's not it can be good used for both good and bad. Like this is a, right. an example of, but it's like why I mean, you shouldn't pay Kendall Jenner two hundred fifty thousand right. dollars. Like influencers definitely get paid more than they should, given what you're actually getting when you pay them. I mean, I think there's some credibility to the the stance that this could have only happened to a certain group of young people who have far too much money and far too much time on their hands. Like when sure, you see the, the prices that they were paying for some of these services. Yeah, tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, and some of these people were upwards of like 100K deep. And I'm like, man, if you have 100K to drop on a music festival. Yeah, in your you, 20s, in like your what? In your 20s, I'm like, you have, you have never gotten into a fist fight or have ever you have not faced the hardship that the rest of us have faced yes, you've just, at any in any capacity and i don't say that to be mean because I, I really it's not no it's true they yeah. kind of embodied it's like a small minority of people that do embody that like entitled millennial stereotype but it, it's sure. a stereotype for a reason because there are people like people that exist. it's just a small minority it's like and it's like when you when you grow up and you're a millennial who either a has to pay your way through college or like b grow up poor and then you see people your age that are like oh i spent eighty thousand dollars on this thing and i'm going to this trip and it's a bombshell you're like yeah, you're going to get you, a little yeah, chuckle like, out of that. Yeah, like, uh, oh, man, I'm sorry. I don't feel bad for you. Good yeah. deal. Well, let's transition to the toasty campfire topics. Do you have a toasty topic from the news or from life? Just anything that you want to muse about on the mic? I mean, this R. Kelly thing's been wild. And yeah, we I started the watching the... shutdown is, like, a really interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, the government shutdown, I'm just, like, so exhausted by it, to be honest, which mm-hmm. I think is also a millennial thing. Like, we had talked about in... Um, the episode that I just released yesterday with Brienne, um, we talked about like the concept of like millennial burnout and like people like 
even, you know, this weekend, like, I've been doing work stuff on Saturday and Sunday, and, like, I don't have a lot of time off and stuff just because you can work from home and do things whenever, check your emails, like, there's no downtime, and with that, I feel like there's so many things happening, and you get so much news that you're like, how do I even like decipher this i feel like the yeah. government shutdown is one of those things it's, yeah that and it's just like i don't know how for how much longer mass media can keep using whatever wacky zany thing trump says or does is like a headline grabber because eventually I, every time i see a headline it's like trump did this thing or said this thing i'm like yeah it loses that. Its, like who cares it's attention grabbing effect it's, after like, a it's while. every day you know so i'm just like after a while i'm like come bother me when something noteworthy happens yeah you know so. yeah no there's definitely the burnout factor and kind of it's hard because everything is presented as being so like the world is on fire it's hard to kind of tell like what you should be paying attention to and what you shouldn't the r kelly thing is interesting super interesting um that's been talking like i think it's really it's really fascinating to me like we've watched a couple of the episodes that they present it they're like, this is what you know. Because nothing that they're talking about in the documentary is, like, groundbreaking. Like, there's no right. allegation that hasn't already been reported upon and part of, like, the national zeitgeist. But what they're doing is they're like, this is how it was presented. Like, he got picked up for child pornography, but, like, this was what was actually happening with the witnesses and the girls that were his victims. Like, this is what was happening behind the scenes while those stories were being presented in the media, which right. I thought was really interesting and very a, a very powerful storytelling tool, I thought. My policing professor has had a lot to say on the topic, and maybe that's just because he he is a fifty some odd year old black man who's lived his entire life in Harlem, you know, until he moved yeah. out, police officer, or whatever. But it's like a lot of that talking about how you know a lot of those those women that got roped up in that like their parents like gave the okay. Yeah, yeah, so many that's of like them. So grim- that's like so grimy, isn't it? Well, it's like it's the way that you put trust. I mean, it's the same way, like, on a smaller scale, like, when you hear about, you know, the teacher at the local high school, like, dating an eighth grader. Right. You're like, how could that happen? And you're like, like, I think back to, like, my own experience. Like, I used to babysit for, like, my middle school and high school teachers. And I would go to their houses and I would be with them alone. Like, something bad could have oh, happened. No, my parents let me do that, you know? Yeah. My parents would never have given me the green light for that. Not that I, I was know. ever I think you'd be. I think you'd be surprised when it's, like... If it's someone that they've met a bunch of times before, oh, maybe yeah, and they get a good vibe from them, and they're in a position where they're like, "Oh, you're trying to be helpful." Like that was the R. Kelly thing. Like he was trying to jumpstart all these girls' careers, and they were like, "Oh, well, he's so famous. There's so many eyes on him. Like, how could he get away with doing something shitty?" Maybe it's if my he did it. You know, maybe it's my internal cynical negativity in my outlook on life is I'm just like, man, if some rich, famous person wants to give you a hand, it's because they want something Well, no, it's true. Like, Well, them. now there's been so many of these, like, R. Kelly-type stories. That's that... true. I grew up in the... I guess we grew up in the era of all of these people being made out to be shitheads, you know? Well, it's like now it's hard to, like, get away with it. Like, with technology, yeah. people's cell phones, they can take videos of things. Like, when R. Kelly... I feel like R. Kelly's, like, the main allegation when he was peeing on the 14-year-old or whatever... Like, that was happening in the early 2000s. I feel like that was the last period of time where you could get away with something like that. Yeah, but, I mean, nobody knows what happened to David Miscavige's wife. And we have drones that can fly over that Scientology compound and could just find her, and no one's ever seen her. And she probably is, you know, dead, but I don't know, man. I think plenty of people still get away with all that crazy stuff. Well, when I say get away with it, it's like, yes, people get away with it, but people know 
like the David Miscavige thing is a good example because we know that his wife has been missing. That's something that people talk ah, yeah. about. That's a good point. So like, it's it's actually very analogous to the R. Kelly thing because we've known for so long that he's been a creep. It just hasn't been presented in such a way like seeing all the women over so many years, like thirty years. Um, it's the same way with the Bill Cosby thing. Like there, it takes like a couple. There's a couple women that like are the brave ones that go forward file the police reports and then it's slowly like they all come out of the woodwork and then you're like oh he raped a hundred women like this is crazy how could we have gotten like not known about it and it's just like the same story over and over again i think it's also a good portrait of like how insidious the entertainment industry is like yeah i've been saying that for years i've been listening to a lot of podcasts where they're talking about that aspect of the r kelly thing like why if you were just an average Joe Schmo, you wouldn't have been able to be the level of predator that he was. It's because he's rich and famous that he was even able to have access to these young girls. Like he would go to malls and like they wanted to hang out with him because he was cool and famous. Like if you were just like average pedophile, like well, if you're gym blue, teacher if you're, or something, if you're a blue collar uh, predator, you are almost one hundred percent sure like a violent predator. You know what I'm saying? You never last. You don't ever last that because long. you're desperate. Because you're desperate. Yeah, you don't have that kind of. You have you have to resort to violence, which gets you thrown in the can right. a lot faster. So you never have that longevity that predators That's like. That's true. Harvey it's very sad. R. Kelly have had. It's pretty. I dude, if I had a kid, never ever would I ever let them get into entertainment. Be like, I dream. I want to be a famous singer. Be like, well, break. I'm. We're gonna go ahead and wake you up from that no, dream you gotta put, i mean i think there's a couple like you hear these stories of like child actors and there's a way to do it right and there's a way to do it wrong and i feel like if you try to do it right you just end up like miley cyrus miley cyrus i think has a good life she went off the crazy train for a little while there. yeah she she's did but she, she went she went through the average adolescent like rebellious phase with wealth behind in, her. right with wealth and so it ended up being blown up but like right. now she's fine she just got married she looks normal like yeah, who'd she get married to? She had a blip. Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but no, she's fine. And I feel like you just have to put guardrails. You have to be like, you're not allowed to go to like fancy parties. You have to go to school. Like you're allowed to work and you can have the money when you're 18. But like when you're a kid, uh, you're going to live like a normal kid. I think there's ways to do it that are okay. I don't think and so. And I think the R. Kelly thing talked about that like a lot of these parents felt helpless and i think this is a pretty relatable thing for a lot of parents they they were like well if your kids 16 17 and they have set their mind that they're going to do something what power do you as a parent have that's you not going to rope them up by the scruff of no. their neck you lock them in a closet and say you How can is come that out worse than when R. Kelly? Down, because i am the parent no i think once you actually have kids and see the like dynamic god forbid it's yeah it's a uh, it's a lot harder than you think it is. Uh, it worked for me. Um, except it it didn't, though. Like, sure your did. parents didn't do that. You got into all sorts of trouble. What are you talking about? Yeah, you think I didn't like, pay let's for say, that? No, but let's say you wanted to join the Marines, and you had parents that were, like, over my dead body. Would you just have not done it? No, you would have gone to the I recruit. I just waited until I was 18. Right, exactly, but you would have done it eventually. Well, right, but, I mean, that's there's a big difference between doing something as a legal adult and then doing something as a, a child underneath your parents' yeah, but, care and custody. Okay, so a year, and a, if you're 16 versus 18, like, what tangible difference is that going to have on your life? When you're 18, you're an adult, and you can do whatever. Right, but we're talking about legally. from the, perce- the perspective of the parents, like, being able to protect well, your kids. Like, right. They I, talked about that in yeah. the R. Kelly thing, too, like... A lot of these girls that are trapped in his house are over 18 now. Like, he took them when they were 17, and now they're adults, and so the parents can't do anything. But the parents are not 
giving up the fight just because they're like, well, you're an adult and you're you made a choice, like, but you know. Oh right, but I was never having like a sixteen like that. Right, but there's a lot of parents and a lot of families in this country that if their son wanted to join the military, they would be like, no, that's too dangerous. You're not going to do it over my dead body, like, and you would have not enjoyed hearing that, and you probably would have like either yeah. waited or done it anyways. A lot of people do that. Like, there's all sorts of stories of guys in World War II that were like, I was 14 and I went to, I lied about my age and uh, I left home. a bit different, though, because the... Well, of course, it was a different time. Like 16. Well, it was a different time. But still, it's like, if you're a 16-year-old and you you have access to a car and you're like, I'm going to go, you as a parent, you're really going to resort to, like, locking your kid in the room and, like, watching them? You're not. Hell yeah. No. You say that and you wouldn't. I'm the jailer. No. And then you're just as bad as R. Kelly. That's the tagline no, from the I'm episode. Not, I'm not diddling he them. No, he kidnapped fuck? people. He trapped them in the house. How is that any different? And also, it just makes when you do that stuff to kids, it just makes them more rebellious. It makes them hate you even more. Unless you have to, and then the you con- have to beat the hate oh out of them. God. You're ridiculous. I regret bringing you on because you're so ridiculous. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, we don't live in a fantasy land. We live in the real world. Um, yeah, my the real hot- world is you tell your kids, like, look, I know you want to go hang out with with r kelly but here's the truth he's gonna rape you and he's not gonna let you leave but these parents so you don't didn't want i mean this was in well, right, the 80s about before you and me as parents well and sure i mean if r kelly came by not and r was kelly like, but any any famous person when if we're adults and we are 10 20, 15 years in line we have children the child's like i want to go hang out with this famous person you love with them be like he's probably gonna rape you no yes you don't want to hang out with him he, you, you won't have anything to relate to he's got money you don't he's definitely probably a, or she is probably a rapist. No, well, you it's don't want to plant don't... that seed in their head because then they have sure. a warped sense of sexuality. But you can say, I think they're like we're talking about things that were happening in the eighties and nineties that it was a different like time when people didn't have as much knowledge about the entertainment industry being so predatory. So that's something right. that we have the benefit of knowing now. But it's also like again, if your kid is really, really dead set on it you have one of two ways you either ruin the relationship with them so they will never trust you ever again or you go with it and you just supervise them and you make them tell you what they're doing which is fair and that's the f- i just like it's easy to be like oh well you're you're we're just not gonna allow them to go like the parents just made a bad choice but it's like they made the best choice given the situation that they were in for sure look all i'm saying is it it never it, it is always beneficial to be mistrustful of the rich and famous Yes, definitely. I would agree with that. Um, okay, my uh, hot topic was that Millennial Million sketch from SNL that was on <laughs> yesterday. It's really funny. It's If uh, any listeners haven't seen it, you can YouTube it. It's um, the episode that Rachel Brosnahan uh, hosted, and they did like this game show called Millennial Millions. And I would just recommend watching it because I feel like it touches upon a lot of the things that we've talked about in this podcast and particularly why I, you know, kind of jokingly hate on the boomers in particular and why social security is a Ponzi scheme. Um, And it kind of goes through like these millennials who are like struggling to make it. And they're like, I just want debt forgiveness or I want health insurance. And then they have to go up against a baby boomer who like has all the things that they want and it's it's pretty funny. I thought it was pretty funny. It was pretty good. I liked the uh these, these baby boomers just won't die. They've got it all and they just won't die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Jesus. No, I thought it was a pretty uh, balanced like 
showing what is ridiculous about the boomers, but also what's ridiculous about millennials. They're like, oh, well, like the big kind of jab at millennials in the sketch is that they all have so many opinions and they can't just yes. like shut up and hear someone else's opinion. And the the flip side is like the boomers don't understand that so much of their life is great based on when they were born and the circumstances and relative to inflation, how much ex- extraordinarily cheaper stuff was compared to now housing, food, just cost of living in general. And then saddled with the student debt crisis and health insurance just not being as prevalent and the issues of freelancing. Like, it was just a nice, like, comedic way of, like, looking at that. And then I thought it was funny. They had the one Gen X character that was like, I'm just uh, off the on host, the sidelines the watching like, the I'm world just, burn. I'm Gen X people. We do nothing and watch the world burn. Yeah. <laughs> like, so right, I thought that right. was funny. Um, okay. Do we want to switch places? Because I want to test that microphone on a woman's sure. voice. And then we can do, I figured for the listeners, those that are... Um, familiar with kind of the solo episodes that Shay and I do together, we, um, you know, after the segments, we'll kind of do questions. And we had started this um, list after the Modern Love Questions by Alexandra Franzen, and they're they're pretty good. So I figured we can just pick a couple and see how it goes. They're like conversation starter questions. So Sounds good. We'll switch. Let's swap. Do you want more wine? Okay. I'm just going to like randomly go through. Sounds good. We'll just start with a couple that Shay and I have already done, I think, in one of our minisodes. So, are there any household chores you secretly enjoy? Which ones and why? No. None? No. Like folding laundry? No. You don't find any cleaning, like, relaxing? No. I think it's work, and I do it because it needs to get done, but if there was anything else I could be doing, I would rather be doing that thing. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember what I said when Shay and I talked about this, but, like... I don't prefer to do dishes. I'd rather, like, folding laundry, I, could, I like, if you're listening to a podcast, is, like, kind of relaxing. Um, are there any laws or social rules that completely baffle you? Yes, but I can't think of what they are on the spot. If I'd had time to think, <laughs> like, anything? mellow on that, that question, I know I could find nine or ten different things that really just We could just pick one. It doesn't have to be, like, a top favorite. I can't think of any right now. Oh That's a struggle. I'm sorry. This is why I don't like being thrown <laughs> fastball questions. About. It's not a fastball. It's just like anything that comes to mind. Like, um, like I don't know. I feel like it's um, like we something that comes to mind is like we had Flynn, Jenny's boyfriend, came to visit, and he was like taken aback by the fact that in America they take your credit card from you to run it. They don't bring the credit card machine to you like oh, they do yeah. in Europe. So that's like a social thing that like he was kind of bothered by. And as an American, I'm like, it's whatever. But it makes sense why they do it in Europe the way that they do it. I guess socially, I don't like the duality of telling people to be nice to one another, but then telling them to be better than everybody else. That's interesting. You think it should be, well, you can be competitive, but be kind of nice like yeah, you don't have to bring like, the emotion into being competitive. Like I it has disagree. nothing to do. Like if we're if we're playing a game, let's say like we're athletes, you can be like, okay, be better than him, but also like be respectful because the game that we're playing has nothing to do with like who you are as a person. Right, but yeah. when in the game, in the moment, the only thing that matters is winning. If that means destroying your opponent, so be it. Well, yeah, but then you have to live with that. Per- it depends on the situation. It's like, 
if you're colleagues and you're like in a work environment and it's like, yeah, everyone wants to get the promotion. Everyone wants to be better than so-and-so, but you're not going to be like, you're not going to go up to them and be like, hey, dickhead. And, like, get in their face psychologically. Of course not. Well, well, psychologically, I mean, whatever works. No, it doesn't. See, this Not that I'm a sociopath or anything. It's just... No, you are. You just like to act like you're a, so- a sociopath. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying that I am that way. You say I just it? don't appreciate the duality of it. I get very competitive, though, in the, in the heat of the moment. You do, but you're still nice. That's what I mean. You have these opinions about how life is, but it's not how you actually act towards other people, which is why I get bothered by it. So, it's just disingenuous. No, it's not. I mean, I think that's. It's a very, like why say very, things just think, to get a rise out of people. Should, no, I, I think it's like if you had like a small child, you could be like, be kind to one another. Success is not the sum of existence. It's okay to not be the best at everything, but then to also say, do whatever it takes to be successful. Like beat the competition, which is like. I guess a cultural thing like you see that duality like everywhere it just that yeah, I just I think it's fine irksome to me I would rather just be told one or the other but they are both important yeah but they they don't mesh well I, they don't mesh well I think they do because one kind of helps another like if you're if you're nice and you ingratiate it's like the whole honey catches more flies than vinegar thing I guess. Like, if you want to get ahead in business or in life, you want to, like, ingratiate yourself to people, that's a way to be successful and also, like, have respect, right? And it's also a sign of intelligence. Like, if you're just going for, for the sure. ad hominem right. attack all the time, like, well, right, that's a I mean, demonstration that you're not very success. You're not going to be successful long term, you know? Well, right. But, I mean, ingratiating yourself to people for the purpose of being successful is manipulation, which is... I mean, that's what we do. Like, that's same. what dating is. That's what well, okay. working in a workplace is, right? Like, Well, right. But I mean, like, our relationship does not gear you towards success. Like, I love you. Sure it does. Absolutely. Married people what? live longer. Married men, mostly. Married women, it's a different story. But in, in theory, <laughs> like, if you're married, you know, you have dual income, which is better. You have people, so like, look at our lives. You're like, saying... Now, what I have been saying for forever, and that marriage and relationships are just business contracts in the end. Sure, yeah. I mean, oh if, my god, I've been vindicated. I've been saying this for years, and you were like, "No, you're crazy." No, I, I haven't. I just think there's obviously more like emotion behind it. But yeah, at the end of the day, like you, you go on a date and you purposely don't look like shit. Like you, you for present sure. well, the right, best yeah. version of yourself, even if it's not the most accurate to how you feel in that moment, in order to ingratiate yourself to the other person in the end goal of like. You what know, you, you think, want a, su- a, a person to support you. What do you think the ratio is? Give me the percentages, like the dividend, like how much of it is, is business and how much of it is emotion. Well, you, I mean, like most things in life, you can't quantify it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Quantify it. It exists. It can be quantified. Quantify it. 90% business, how do you 10% quantify? emotion. Is how do you quantify ours? happiness? Well, then I'm getting the raw end of the deal. What is the raw end of the deal? I do all your chores. I throw you some rent money. When was the last time you did it? Well, I guess today, but you did the dishes today, which I appreciated. But your regular work week, how many chores do you actually do? I could pay someone less than the difference in rent that you Bruh. pay to do those things. That's I don't believe it. Yeah. Every day 100%. for a whole month. Yeah. No, nah, 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 you crazy. 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 For like $600 a month? Yeah, I probably could. That's, that's more than, you're paying more than...
what you get from me. Like, what do you, what do you, I don't know. No, I'm saying the, the difference between how much this apartment actually costs and oh. what you pay. Oh, yeah, sure. If you're no. saying the trade-off yeah, yeah, yeah. is doing all the chores for the difference, I could pay someone to do all those chores. I give you so the sex. It, Does that not count for anything? Again, I could pay someone $600. Oh, my God. I'm, you're the I'm one. See, bag. now, now you out. see. It's based on emotion. Okay, next question. Are you a starter or a finisher? What what does that mean? I guess a, a starter. I don't know. I don't know. I guess a starter. Like, do you start a lot of projects and not finish oh, yeah, them, or do you? Oh yeah, starter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a finisher. I think. Um, I'm going down here. Do you have any irrational fears? You have a lot. I feel. Oh, a lot. I have a, so many irrational fears. Things that like I have no business being afraid of. Like things so far outside of the realm of like the scope of my possible experiences that I'm still just like I can't sleep like your fear of falling into the space void the black hole like falling into a black hole like the end of uh interstellar dude no way i damn near have a heart attack when i see the scene that scene in the movie just like i seize up the the ocean like being out in open water like in the water i can't do it yeah there's a word for that also you can get closer to the microphone and talk a little louder talk a little louder this close this good yeah you're so low you're not talking in a normal talking voice I feel like I am. I mean, yeah, I feel that's like, normal. Well, I feel like now I feel like I'm yelling. No, this is how you normally talk before you were like, podcast voice. Podcast. There you go. Fine. Um, yeah, open water and black holes see. terrify me. Spiders. I hate bugs. But you know me. I seize up. I can't even be near insects of any kind. Um, I'm trying to think. Ooh, this is a good one. Have you ever fantasized about changing your first name? Yes, a lot. You don't like it? I've never thought about that. I like my first name. It's fine. Whatever. I hate my first name. Because no one ever spells it right, and that pisses me off. Oh, well, no one spells my name right either. Yeah, but they add a letter, which to me seems like contrary to, like, 100,000 years of human experience tells you to take the shortest the shortest and most direct route. If you can spell my name, you spell it with the fewest letters possible, because that makes all the sense in the world. But everyone's like, K-O-R-I-E-C-O-R-E-E-Y. I'm just like, C-O-R-Y. Why are you adding shit? The short, the easiest way to possible spell it. How, why are you adding, making this harder? Uh, uh, uh. Ooh, this is a good one. Have you ever met someone who was genuinely evil? Uh, no. What yeah, I mean? can't think of anything either. Genuinely evil. Like a Hitler type. I don't know. Who a lot of people consider? would suggest that he's not all that evil. See, that's just a subjective word oh that ultimately means nothing. Dumb. It's true. Well, all of life's subjective. Um, uh, uh, oh, this is interesting. How do you engage with panhandlers on the street? I avoid eye contact because, well, a lot of reasons. Like, if someone is, like, genuinely, like, in an unsafe situation, like, I, I'd rather, like, call 311 and get them to a shelter, which, if you're in New York... The shelters, once it's, like, below a certain degree, they have to take them in um, if it's a homeless person. But it's illegal to panhandle on the subway, so I don't want to be complicit in that. And I feel like it's just the homeless population in New York, like, giving handouts on the street is not the way to solve it. And it can put you in, especially as a woman, like, in an unsafe situation to engage with people like that. And it just perpetuates, like, the unsanitary and unsafe conditions of homelessness in New York. So I just typically don't engage. I don't give anyone anything except 
homeless people who sit in the exact same place every day for weeks on end that I pass regularly until they get to the point where they recognize me and I know who they are, then I'll give them whatever scratch I'm carrying in my pocket, but... Yeah, because at that point, you've kind of developed a relationship. Like, I'm, like, the guy that used to work outside Panera, who was homeless, Mike. Well, he used to, he didn't work there. Well, or, yeah, he used to sit outside of <laughs> Yeah, oh, he used to sit guy. out there every time, I'd steal food from Panera Bread. And yeah. Food, I think, is good. Or if you have, like, yeah. warm clothing to give people, like, it's better to give things. Or even just, like, I'm sure he appreciated more than anything just you acknowledging he was a cool him guy. as, like, a human being and, like, Mike listening a, to he him. Was, he was a tight dude. Thought he was yeah. a cool guy. But if you were just, like threw a dollar at him because he was asking for it like that's not what you did by talking to him and giving him food was more helpful than like right. giving a panhandler on the subway money you know yeah no i only I, I don't give people like who are like legitimately panhandling like you know mm-hmm. anything but if you're like some dude you sit in the same spot or you know dude yeah. woman whoever you sit in the same spot and you don't bother nobody you don't talk to nobody but you're there every day that's just like your stoop and I'm passing you every day for weeks on end. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and then you're, like, part of the community. I also, like, performers, like, if you're playing an instrument or something, depending on... so fucking annoying. How long, well, it depends on what it is. Like, sometimes it's really, really good, and I'm like, oh, I, feel, I will give you some dollars. But sometimes it's, like, just so loud, and I'm like, please do not. And it's just annoying. I agree. Um, but if I'm, like, enjoying the music, like, sometimes I'll throw them a, a few bucks. Well, I told you my philosophy, and that like street performers, if they can capture your attention for at least three seconds, then you owe them some, you owe them something. But I'm so whatever music they're they're playing is not my kind of music, so I never. I'm just like, yeah. please stop. Well, it's also hard in New York because you encounter so many homeless people, so many people on the subway, so many performers. Right. It's like you can't even if you gave only a little bit to everyone, like it, it adds up to be a lot. For sure. So you have to. Uh. This is interesting millennial topic if social media didn't exist how would your life be different <laughs> i would have a lot more free time but it would be harder to keep in contact with people that i don't see regularly i mean my life would basically be the same minus all the time i spend looking at pictures of yeah, dachshunds like and corgis you're not on it as much as a lot of people yeah i don't like I'm, you don't post a lot yeah i i very rarely do i ever post anything and you, most of my posts are like so i'll see something where like oh the president or somebody just gave this old vietnam vet medal of honor and then i look up a story and i'm so like it's like a is, positive interaction is, yeah, yeah i'm like this is hardcore so i share that or i see something like hilarious or i've got to set people straight when they're like oh bird box is the scariest movie i've ever seen and i'm <laughs> like you guys are idiots this is the shittiest horror movie i've ever yeah, seen yeah it's not scary for like you guys are stupid and you should all feel bad sandra bullock was the only noteworthy part of that movie like it's she was true. too good to be in that movie i was well that's why it was bad because they blew their budget on getting her yeah in glue it. exactly that's why there were no monsters in the movie everybody spoiler it sucks i don't feel bad but the reason there are no monsters is because the entire budget went to booking sandra bullock yeah it makes perfect sense um yeah no i feel like it's the whole social media thing it's a it's a constant sort of struggle between how much time are you giving it and then what you get out of it and there are a lot of positives i think like sharing stories like the medal of honor is a great example of that or people that live a different life than you that you can read about them or people that you genuinely like but you don't see very often you want to keep up on their life that's kind of the positives but just like the mindless sort of scrolling and wasting time is not a positive my my honest opinion is that i think the negatives of social media and again this might just be my own cynicism regarding the topic far outweigh any positive benefit and i just think social media is like should just well you also are more of like well you're more of like an introverted person yeah that's true so 
you don't need as much like social interaction to feel fulfilled whereas more extroverted people like if you can't go out and see your friends like you can get a lot of that from social media or if you have a business like the podcast for example like we need social media to get the word out about the podcast and stuff like for that. sure and that all and i completely yeah i we're on the level there but like you see like the, the dumb shit people say like people can't even be bothered oh, yeah, to true. write correctly and you know it's how a good much way to expose social darwinism i think it, it, it exposes dumb people for who they are or, which to me and, is a, be- a benefit even angrier is when people say things that are correct or they make good points but they don't type proper like they don't write correctly and i'm just yeah. like it you have the power at your fingertips like all you have to do is no, write it's the correctly. same way like it's the the sort of moral um dilemma around like neo-nazis for example it's like should we just put them all in jail and just forget that they exist or should we brand them with like a swastika like in inglorious bastards they do that at the ha, end yeah, they like that was a good scene carve the swastika into the guys so they're like i'm not going to kill you but i'm going to make everyone know for the are. rest of your life right. who you are i'm more of a favor of that like put a heat map out so people know where they are because you can't get rid of them um, and social media, I think, does that. It exposes people for who they are and what they want. The problem to with that is that the social media never leaves that in the hands of the consumers. Like Facebook has been for a while now doing their thing where they they like randomly block like oh yeah concert. it's true like this the 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 corporate like censorship which i guess they're well within well their, it's like, even like the podcast like we have upwards of you know we have a lot of um people that follow the page on facebook and i can see like the metrics because it's like a business page instagram has the same thing um and you can see like how many people have like visited your page how many people the post reached and it's like out of how many followers we have, like, 20% of the people are even exposed to the posts. Like, only a small percentage of the people that follow our page will even see the posts that I put without paying Facebook to, like, do advertising. Which right. I'm like, that's shitty. Like, if you choose to follow the Camp Adulthood Facebook page and I post something, like, you should see that. And I think people want that. It's the same way with Instagram and Twitter. Like, it's an algorithm where, like, you might see something that you didn't even you don't even follow this person but a bunch of people liked it over stuff that someone that you actually follow posted which i think is a little backwards and i know there's settings and stuff that you can change another dumb thing about facebook that my friends drive up the wall with is no one ever wants to just text me on my phone they want to send me a message through facebook messenger i'm like you have my phone number why are you doing this to me like why do you make me just golly yeah just text me it's a lot it's like a lot of platforms that like um if you could sit down with your 15 year old self what would you tell him or her start lifting weights just go ahead and stop eating like shit just get in shape your life will be so much easier literally until the day you die because i know who you like i know who you're gonna be and i know the things you're gonna value you formed a lot of bad habits with your diet and exercise when you were a kid is that what you're saying that you're now like trying to undo my text my, my parents definitely were not uh you know, they definitely they definitely helped me develop those habits. Looking back, not that they knew any better, because it's not like they were you know different, you know, than how they made me to be. But it's just like to them, you know, culturally in Texas, bad eating and obesity and all that in the South is just okay. Right. It's not like a bad thing. Except now, like you know, people are coming. Well, people are more educated. Yeah, it. like that it's such a bad thing. But and I mean, I'm I'm like skinny fat. I've got like chub, but I'm definitely in a lot better shape. Like, like physically. Well, you go to the gym every day, and you know, like the healthy things that you should be eating and things like that like you're more educated about it right so i'm and i just i'm like you dude your marine corps career is going to be so much easier if you're just jacked people are just yeah just 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 go to the gym man. yeah just go to the gym every day that's good i don't know what i i feel like 
I don't know. Like, I, I, I wish I was better um, at, like, computer stuff or, like, Excel and things like that. Like, I right. wish if I was in high school, like, doing... Like, I wish I had focused more on, like, math and science because that's where the money is. And now my job is, like, pretty technical. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was better at these things. Um, but, yeah, other than that... Oh, and I would probably tell... I'd probably tell my 15-year-old self to just not... To just look at all those people in high school and single out the three you like the most and then just stop talking to everyone else because that's what's exactly that's exactly what's going to happen to you in no in, it's in true damian eccles talks about that um in his book that we're using as a stand right now but he's <laughs> like imagine it's the same with the social media thing it's like imagine if you only did the things that were either absolutely necessary or you wanted to do and only talk to the people that you absolutely had to talk to or wanted to talk to you would have so much free time to do personal development stuff and really like hone those relationships and those things that you really wanted to do or that would benefit your life the most yeah, and man. just like cut out the bullshit and that's a lot of like a lot of personal development like self-help books will tell you that like he talks about it in like the meditation and like the buddhist tradition says that they're like just cut out the noise and like the stuff that does not give you like any sort of fulfillment but you just feel like a sense of obligation to do like it's stupid i mean that's like what i that has what has happened there's like three people that i talk to that i went to high school i only have like a handful of high school friends and 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 i feel i feel no love lost yeah everyone else you know i'm friends with them on facebook just so i can see how you know garbage their lives are sure the schadenfreude aspect oh yeah and i love it (sighs) gets me going i do too but everyone does whatever um, this is a good one. Is war a necessary evil? Yes. It's not even Can evil. Can you uh, elaborate on that? So you just would just say it's just necessary. It's just necessary. Yeah. It's just like this grand form of... of Kind of culling. Culling. The... Yeah, like Darwinism. And that I, we were talking about this the other day. We're like Rome... is Like ancient Rome is a great example of this, but like Heligenian, I think is the word, dialectics. It's like, it's like the same thing. You have two countries of different philosophical ideologies whatever and they can't coexist because humans just can't different people just cannot coexist like human beings are just incapable of doing that and i and i think again two hundred and fifty thousand years of you know sorry i'm touching this thing of human you know human mm-hmm. history has proven that like people who are different cannot coexist like they have to change until both groups you either have to assimilate or yeah, they, like, have a dominant yes, force. like either they'll either be a dominant culture and the weaker culture is either you know oppressed or outright destroyed and assimilated or both cultures have to change into this they have to become like this synthesized version of both mm-hmm. of them together and that's not coexistence that's just that's dialectics that's a, that's a different thing all in time yeah, it's like, like it's a third this, category it's this third yeah. this different thing and i think war is is the mechanism by which that happens most frequently because a lot of people will tell you like war is violence and efficiently well, yeah, in yeah, some ways yeah and efficiently for sure but it's like war is characterized commonly by armed conflict but that's not the same thing like trade mm-hmm. wars are still wars and like the, the by like definition or culture wars or culture wars like all of these things like war isn't this like it is most commonly described as armed conflict and that is true but yeah like dominance through economy through culture through religion like all of these things are methods by which like wars are waged and that is just how human beings evolve and like how human civilization continues and will continue to evolve i like that what do you value most free time recognition or money can you touch that uh free time recognition or money oh man dude that's hard because i do like ah probably free time 
you know, like, I guess I got really used to in the Marine Corps not getting recognition for all of the hard work I did day in, day out, to the point that I just didn't care anymore. Like, I felt like if I got recognition and something was wrong, you know, like, I felt like, oh, God, this is bad. And, you know, my detachment to money, I just, I'm like, I like to have it. I save, you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. really good at saving, but I also, like, I can spend like crazy, and then I'm just like, bad, you know, whatever. Easy come, easy go, as long as your responsibilities, as long as your debts are paid and you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're being responsible, it's irrelevant. So. Yeah, I would say free, free time. time, too, yeah. Um, it's <laughs> funny. What was your worst haircut, hairstyle of all time? I think the George Washington that you're rocking right now is great. Shut your mouth. For the listeners at home, since this is not a visual no, medium. No, ignore her. Uh, Corey was wearing his uh, gaming headphones and they kind of push just the middle part of his hair back. And so it's like floofy on the sides, but flat on the top. And it looks like George Washington. I pulled my hair back and set the headphones on top because I didn't want the front of my hair in my eyes because it comes down to blow my nose for the first time in my life. So it looks ridiculous. Yes. But the worst haircut I've ever had was a high and tight for sure. Like in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Like, you looked motivated AF. Just shave it all off. Yeah, it's true. It's a stupid looking like, haircut. Like, it's just so dumb. And it's not tactical, like, in any way. No, because the argument is that, well, it's easy to maintain. Again, so is just shaving yeah. all of your, just cutting all of your hair off. Right, is, or do, like, a buzz cut or something. Yeah, like, there's no reason to have a hindsight. It looks like ass yeah. and is not any more functional than just having no hair. Yeah, So that's true. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, what's the last book that you couldn't put down? Nice recommendation for people. Night Lords by Aaron Dembski Bowden. What was so good about it? Well, you know my fascination with like the Warhammer franchise, and I don't want to go into the You're whole. You're going to write a book, shall we say publicly, an exclusive. Corey Schober's going to write a book. Oh my, oh my god! All right, for everyone. You already else, put it I on got, Facebook. Yeah, I was re- really, really drunk one night on the couch, and I drunkenly typed on Facebook, "I'm going to write a book, and I need words of encouragement." And, and so many people, so many fun. people were like, "Oh, you can do it!" Your career. And I was like, "Jesus Christ, I shouldn't have done this." What was I thinking? And then your sister wrote, "Yeah, my you a sister, book about my mom, and dad, all these people." So I'm Which like, is nice I mean, that you have yeah, a lot of support. Thank, you know, yeah, a lot of support. Really and they always tell it. you, like, if you're going to do a big project like that, like, put it out into the universe, tell as many people around you so that they can help hold you accountable to actually doing it. Yeah. So. I am. I do want to do it. I am going to do it. I don't know when, but I'll, like I said, I'm a starter. I start projects and take forever <laughs> to finish them, so it'll happen. It's okay. Military science fiction for sure. But no, yeah, Night Lords. I think I'm saying his name right. Aaron Dembski Bowden. Uh, it was so good because it was such like the rich like character background, like just how real the characters felt. Like you remember, I was reading on the bus and I came to that scene in the book that like little like brought me to actual yeah. tears. And I had to like put the book down because I was like I was welling up. I couldn't I couldn't stop. It was it was so heartbreaking to read, and uh, and maybe that's just because I just I am because it's like military theme. So like mm-hmm. I I you know empathize sympathize whatever with these characters in a, like a pretty unique way. I feel, but yeah, it was just really good compared to a lot of other books written by authors in that same like universe. Character development tends to not be a theme that is like brushed up mm-hmm. on pretty heavily. So that one though was probably the best. And it's a long, you saw it, it's like yeah. a huge book. So, and I mean, I could not put it down. But yeah, I loved it. Favorite book, one. probably, yeah. Um, the last book that I couldn't put down was probably the Michelle Obama book, Becoming. Yeah, I've been reading that Sapiens book for a long time, but I put it down and picked it back up. But yeah, the Michelle Obama book, she it was pretty good. There was a lot of good stories and stuff in there. 
that I thought were print again. Oh, this is a good one. What's the title of your future memoir? Oh, God. <laughs> what What are all the jokes that we would make? Um, four Years a Slave. That's yeah, one you've said. Four Years a Slave. This is not a, a Marine PC story. episode of the podcast. No, it's not. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not. I'm not a PC You're person. You're not a PC police. No, I'm not a PC principal. Are you PC, bro? Are you PC? No, that's not me. But, uh, some, yeah, something ridiculous like that. Something that for sure would get me so much flack. Yeah, a, a story about my four it's years a, in the Marine Corps. It's definitely uh, captivating. It's definitely attention-grabbing, maybe for the reasons that you don't want it to be. <laughs> that but... is for certain, yeah. I don't know what my memoir would actually be called. Yeah, I don't know. Me too. Um, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, oh, dude, perfect. I already got the one off the top of my head. Oh, good. Go ahead. You do your stress. No, mine is, now that I'm older, and Shay and I talk about this a lot on the podcast, um, that everyone tells you that you're only successful in college if you get like the most technical practical major that's ever applied even if you're not good at it or interested in it at all and like i actually am interested in finance and business so like it's fine in my case but like i think i it was it was a good practical piece of advice but i think that shaped my worldview so much and all the decisions i made going into adulthood was based on like I need to be able to support myself. I have to do this thing. And there's only one way to do it. And now that I'm an adult and especially like interviewing people at my current company and stuff like that, I'm like, there are so many ways to get to this end point that don't involve your college degree or what you did in college or anything like that. And it's just like, it's so limiting. And I think at a time when you're supposed to be expanding your mind and experiencing the world to tell people that like you only have one option or a very limited series of options and force them to do that and then pay through the nose for it or go into debt is just, like, very stupid. Yeah, the worst piece of advice I was ever given was, I won't say his name because I I do think, I hold a modicum of respect for this individual, but this is what he definitely gave me some very bad advice. Uh, when I was still in the Marines, like, I was towards the end, probably two, three, four months out, and I was talking to some of the, the senior enlisted Marines in my company, that I had served with and worked with for like a good long time. And they were talking about what my plan was, you know? And I was like, yeah, like I'm going to, you know, I'm moving up to Manhattan. I'm going to do community college to get my associates. And I'm going to transfer over to a four year mm-hmm. and bang out my bachelor's. And this guy, this officer comes in and he was like, Oh, what are you doing? And I told that same thing. And he's like, honestly, bro, you should just go straight into a four year. And I was like, I was like, but why? Like, that's so much yeah. like work. Like, cause, but I, especially when you're transitioning, Right, like the last the time you were in school, you were in high a school. child. Yeah, yeah. I was like a baby, you know, a kid. And you don't want to fail and then be discouraged and then never right. go back to school. But, and yeah. it's also like you know, I told you about like I had because I had to do like the all the class. Like you remember all the stuff I had to do just to get into community college because I was so behind and like my stuff, like math and all the stuff that I hadn't right. done in years. And yeah, you I had, had to, to take tests. Yeah, and do like tests, remedial to, stuff. So I had to go to like class and do remedial stuff because I had so much stuff that I just completely forgot. Just yeah. didn't know anything about because just through sheer lack of needing it, you know. Right. So this guy was just like, just go straight into a four. Like, if I, I would have fucking right. failed every class. Yeah. If I had done that, that would have been the dumbest thing I could have done, especially because it's free college. Like, what a waste. Yeah, and you would have wasted your GI yeah, Bill months. completely garbage. Like, and again, I, this person, it was not bad, but it's just like, and it's, so like what you're saying too, it's like how all these people you just have to like know yourself and trust con- yourself yeah, like and have really, confidence yeah. in what you're doing. And they, they get degrees that they don't want or need thinking that yeah. that's the only way. And it's, yeah. yeah. This is, I think is interesting. 
Would you rather have an extra $200 per day or an extra two hours a day? An extra $200 a day. Yeah, I said the same thing, which I know we had said the previous question, like, what do you value more, recognition, time, or money? And we said time. But I feel like once you're at a certain limit, like, if you were getting an extra $200 a day, you could pay people to do, like, the stupid menial like housework and then you could use that time and you would kind of have both Dude, 200 dollars you know a day I mean? is a lot of money yeah it's a, a day lot. yeah i don't need extra two hours with my right. like the extra two hours of sleep <laughs> like what do i need two hours yeah. for you know like wipe my ass with two hours yeah but like 200 dollars no, a I'm day saying, that's if you had 200 dollars, you could, son, pay, you could pay people to do the things that would thus give you more free time yeah, but I mean, like, let's be real here. Like, that two hours is going to go, like, what, one hour in the evening, one hour in the morning? So it's just extra sleeping time? Like, I don't need the extra 24 hours long enough. Or extra leisure time, or if you're working on a project or something you like that. You know for a fact if you had an extra two hours Yeah, a day, you would not use you, it productively. You, you would be, well, as soon as your employer found out, they're going to be like, guess who's yeah. working an extra two hours, son? You're like, damn it. Yeah. So, That's extra true. $200. Um, all right, well, we're almost up to an hour. Is there any other, like, topics or things you want? to talk to our listeners about before we call it quits just keep an eye on my book keep an eye out for my book i don't know when it's coming but you guys will be the first to know 10 years later yeah. spongebob voice um i'm gonna write one i'm serious yeah no definitely i'm mean, already making all the notes i bought an app that's like a world building app for like authors oh that's and cool it's like, yeah i didn't, I didn't buy it I, it's free but yeah and i just every time i have an idea i go into this app and i organize it and i'm just like all right eventually all these pieces to this puzzle that's a good idea where did you find the app what's it called i found it on pinterest <laughs> somebody oh, yeah. mentioned it on pinterest Corey loves pinterest i fucking love pinterest you have a lot of folders on pinterest with i ideas. do it's so much great artwork and yeah. and my the models that i paint so many people they put that stuff all over pinterest i just i eat it up i devour it a lot of good writing advice too so yeah well when you're closer to uh depending on how long it is and if shay and i are still doing this podcast many years in the future um oh, we'll have you on and we can do a camp adulthood book club with your book you guys are gonna hate it no i don't think so i enjoyed like i know shay i mean shay is an english major and she really enjoys science fiction like she'll read it if it's good i feel like people enjoy science fiction but then you read warhammer which is like wait yeah, I, I, li- I, I liked the warhammer that i experienced like would I read it really as much books. as you do? No, but like yeah. every once in a while, as like a treat. And if if a story is well written, if it has narrative, if it has characters you care about, like right. the the genre doesn't. It's the same with movies. I feel like if it's a compelling story and it's for sure a character that's captivating, like you'll get a mainstream audience. It's hard to think about how do you write characters though. You should uh, hire Shay to be your business consultant. I'm not going to pay anybody to do work that I should be doing myself. No, we'll see. We had talked. I actually think I'm going to challenge you on that point because we had, um, when Jillian was on the podcast, in her episode, she um, is, I mean, she has to pay for it, but it's it's a cohort. It's like a book writing cohort. And you each, like, it's kind of like being in a class where you're like, you get feedback on your writing in real time you get help with like publishing and um like feedback and all that sort of stuff they put together like a a pr and like a press campaign for afterwards but it's it's really good because it's like the daunting thing for most writers is just looking at the blank page like the cursor of like where to start and then it's like the self-doubt comes in of like well no one's going to read this so why am i going to put in the time like there's no way i'm going to make it perfect so why why even try why even start and you get into this like bad mentality but if you are part of a group where it's like you're all going through the same thing at the same time or you have someone to like 
who is actually experienced in English and writing books, like giving you real time feedback as opposed to being like, oh, I'm just going to take the next three months to write it and then like have to dissect it out afterwards. Like it's, I think hiring some, like once you're serious about it, like getting like an editor or some sort of like book writing coach or being part of like a program or taking a class on it, like would be very beneficial and would help you not waste your time. Well, I'm definitely down to taking, like, classes and doing stuff like yeah. that. As far as hiring a cohort, I don't know. No, well, I mean, it's it's just one idea. It's not for everyone, but right. she found it very helpful, and it's it's just, it's making a very lonely task not as lonely uh, and not as daunting. See. Well, you're more of a loner. Yeah, I love, I don't get the, I don't get lonely. I'm, yeah. com- I'm very comfortable being alone, so that part of it, I love. Yeah. Problem is, I'm so I'm so self-critical. I've always been. I know. I've written I think, stuff in well, the past that I I've written actually a lot that I've just deleted and destroyed. I know. I can't believe you did that. But yeah. they, I, I feel like finding someone who's out who, because like let's say like I'm of course always open to read and give you feedback. But like, when it's someone that you know or someone that you're really close with, there's a, you're always like, oh well, I don't want them to be, I don't want them to feel like they have to give me good advice. Or tell like blow smoke up my ass and tell me that I'm great even when I'm not. And so you need like an impartial person who like cares about your development and For cares sure. about the book, who can give you real advice. But and to who, me, it's not even like that. It's like it's like writing a diary. You're like fuck off, don't read my diary. Well, it's like yeah. a vulnerability I, you know, to yeah, writing right, a book. Yeah, yeah, that's where good, it's like yeah. you're gonna have to be vulnerable to people, and they're gonna be like, oh, you wrote this See, sex scene man, or this like this, ooh, well, no, really like that. not for me at least, not in my book. There's got to be some romance. For There's sure, romance in Warhammer. Yeah, and it always ends badly with people getting, like, blown up. Well, I'm just saying, there's... The title, Warhammer. Emotional vulnerability in any book, whether it's, like, between friends or between characters, like... Right, and in this book, only the strong survive. There's no emotion. (laughs) All right, Maddie? (laughs) Toxic masculinity. Stoicism. I think once you uh, go to therapy and deal with your own vulnerability issues, then your book will be fantastic. Nah, 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 nah. We'll be all right. (laughs) I'll be all right. He's being facetious. But no, it all it all comes full circle. This is what Shay talks about. We talked about it with Brianne. Like business goes into life. Like for sure, everything kind of ties in together. No, nah, anything yet. else you want to talk about before we call it quits? No, no. Unless um, there's something a topic feedback you... on the pod. Since you're our number one fan, you listen to all the episodes front to back. I do have listened just to kidding. quite a few episodes. Well, I have. I've <laughs> listened to quite a few of them. I'm I just... definitely don't listen to all of them. Uh, no, I think I definitely think the. Your uh, tech technical prowess, how you produce and manage it, has increased exponentially since episode one. You know, mm-hmm. tell you've gotten a lot better at it, and it's very, it's very nice to see. Very, yeah. very proud of you. I hope you Thanks. like this new mic that I got you. I know. Hopefully, this whole episode doesn't sound like shit, and so we have to. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully, uh, campers. Thanks for uh, listening to us. Just kind of shoot the shit for an hour, um, and you know where to find us. Email hello at campadulthood.com. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is at camp underscore adulthood. Um, and 
yeah, we'll be back um, with more guests and everything later, and hopefully we can use this new microphone. Do you want to be found on the internet anywhere, or you want to be an no, international no, made of a No, don't contact me. Don't look to me. Don't find me. Don't I talk mean, to me. I mean, they could easily find you by finding me on the internet, but Okay, look, don't you're going go to right. look for me, and you're going to see that my profile picture is not even a picture of me. It's a picture of my friend dressed as the Pope, really drunk on Halloween. <laughs> I forgot that that's so. And if that does not give you any indication about how seriously I take my interactions on social media, then I would tell you, but don't, don't, no, you're right. Okay, cool. Don't international made of mystery. Once you write the book, then they can contact yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Then I'll have like a business page. It's very professional. My authorial page. I don't know. Is that even a word? Authorial? What's. You could just call it your My author, author page. page. Yeah. Sure. Cool, cool. All right. Thanks, Corey. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com. And you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber. And there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at camp. Uh, so